Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Last week we started a series, and the series is called Live Like. And we're looking at six characters from the Bible who listened to God and led people through very difficult times. And the reason why I think this is important is that we need great leaders. We need great leaders in our culture. We need great leaders in our nation, great leaders in our cities. We need great leaders in churches. We need great leaders everywhere. And before you think for a minute, like, wait, I'm not really much of a leader. Well, leadership is only influence. And everyone has a degree of influence. Maybe you just have a few people in your life, few people that are around you. Well, you have an influence on them. One of the things that we understand about influence is it doesn't affect just them, but your influence affects your friends, friends, friends. And so your influence moves through people. And I guess the point that I really want to make to you today is that your life is making an impact whether you realize it or not. Here's the whole point of the series. If we can learn from the past, we can lead in the future. We look at what they did back then, learn everything that we can so that we can lead well in our present time and into the future. And so last week I spoke about Noah, but I'm super excited. I want to tell you about a guy named Abram. And Abram is one of the greatest and most well-recognized characters in the Bible. In fact, Jesus himself would speak about Abram on a regular basis. Get this, when God was introducing himself, he actually introduced himself by association with Abram. God said to Moses, when he saw Moses, he said, hey, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, right? So he said, I'm with Abraham. So Moses was like, oh, you're, you're the God that Abraham knew. Okay, isn't that amazing that God would introduce himself by association with someone else? And so if you read through the scriptures, see what it says. Paul the apostle said that he was a man of faith. James, Jesus's brother, said that Abraham was a friend of God. This guy is just totally amazing. So what I want to do is I want to read to you from Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at the story of his life. Let me start in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram went from the Lord um, as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham, or Abram at the time, was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took his wife Sarai and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions and all that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. I remember at the very beginning of this year, 2020, I was excited. Uh, I had plans for this year. I had planned some holidays. I had planned some ministry trips. I had planned a lot of things with church. I mean, we had stuff planned this year that you're never going to know about because uh, it all got, got canceled, you know. And I remember January, okay? 
January was where everything was exciting. January was exciting time. I remember that, you know. I don't know if you've ever, you know, had vision to launch like a, a business. You got this dream in your heart of a business that you want to run or, or maybe you, you had great vision of a ministry that God had given you vision for and you're excited about it. Maybe you're watching this today and you used to be a pastor or a leader in a church and, and, and there was a time in your life where God gave you great vision for a church that you believe God wanted you to run. Well, maybe it's none of those things. And for you, this is how simple it is. You had great vision of having a family. You just want to be able to have children. Well, vision is exciting. Vision is where you picture it. And vision is supposed to be exciting. You're supposed to dream of the future and think about what it's going to look like and imagine how it will be when you get there. That's what vision really is. And so in the story that we're reading today, God comes to the man, Abram, and he gives him this incredible vision. And he says, Abram, I want you to leave Haran and I want you to go out and, and, and go to uh, a land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation. And, and, and when you read back over the story, you read what he said to Abram and he makes all of these I will statements. I will do this and I will do that. He says, I will all the time. Now, when it comes to your relationship with God and how you relate to God, you need to understand this. No one just relates to God however they want. It doesn't really work like that. In fact, the way it works with God is He does all of His relationships through what we call covenant. And covenant is like an agreement. It's more meaningful, but it's an agreement that's in place. And it's the way God communicates with people. And when we read these, uh, this vision that God gave to Abram, He was actually giving him a covenant agreement. And when you see all these I will statements, He says, I will do this and I will do that. This is what we call an irrevocable covenant. In other words, God is saying, Abram, you may actually mess this up, but here's what I will do. I will do this. It will happen no matter what. So He makes this what we call an irrevocable covenant with Abram. And he, and he chooses Abram. And I'm just interested why God chooses some people and not others. Like, why does God choose to work with Abram? Well, one of the things that you're about to find out is that he didn't choose Abram because he was perfect. He didn't choose Abram because he had all the skills and all of the abilities and he was amazing. And he didn't choose Abram because Abram was self-righteous. Like he was really good and, and sinless. In fact, this is what the Scriptures tell us about Abram. It says that he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And again, this is so unusual that God will do that and act in that way with human beings. But when he wants to make a covenant, it requires so much of him because one of the things that we know is that people cannot be perfect on their own. They cannot reach God's standard of righteousness. So there are times, very special times in human history where God comes and he credits people with righteousness and he works with them. And that's where we find Abram today. And so Abram, here he is, and, and, and his wife Sarai, and, and they're excited, and they hear everything that God said. And they were probably just thinking, wow, are you kidding me? You're going to take us from where we are, and you're going to lead us to a great nation that you will show us? 
I just, God, this is so exciting. This is so exciting. Sarah, babe, this is so exciting. Everyone, have you heard about what God is going to do with us? We're very excited. Just wanted you to know, God, we're in. We are in. We're committed. We're, we're there. I want to be part of this. All right, so, so God, if you could just tell us where we're going, then I'm going to get my camels together and, and we're going to go. We are, I just wanted you to know we are in, but where are we going? And God says, well, how about this? How about you leave and I will show you the land? And Abram says, oh, that's good, but maybe you're not quite getting what I'm talking about because God, one of the things that we really need to know is where we're going. I mean, just give me a direction. Like just say like, it's north or it's south. Is it east? Is it west? Like I want to know which way we're going. Well, Abram, you just go, God says. Abram, you just go and I'll, I'll show you the land. Man, we always want to know exactly where we're going to end up before we begin the journey. God says, just go, Abram, and, and just trust me that the direction that you take, I, I'm working with you in a way that you don't fully quite understand yet. Just go and I'll, I'll show you. So Abram, really, in order to get to where he wants to go, he's got to trust in God's providence. Now, providence is an interesting thing. Providence isn't just God's plans and, and uh, the execution of His plans. It's really the coordination of all the complexities of everything that could happen, taking into consideration all of the problems that you could encounter and not just working around them because He didn't know that they were going to happen, but working with them in the most amazing way that pulls all the pieces together and still finds a way to execute God's perfect perfect vision and God's perfect plan. So here's Abram. And I think that this guy is amazing. One of the reasons why I think he's so amazing, guess what? He's got no Bible. He's just listening to a voice. Now remember, Moses came after Abram and Moses wrote down the first five books of the Bible. So at this point, he has no history, no frame of reference. He can't flick back and look at all the other characters and say, oh, well, I see what you did here, here and here. So I guess I can trust you today. No, Abram doesn't do that. What Abram needs to do is listen to the voice of God. And at this point in his life, he says, I am just going to choose to trust you. So here they are. Abram is 75. His wife, Sarai, is 74 years old, and they are going to begin a most significant journey. And if you understand anything about taking a journey with God, the journey, the journey is not like the picture that you had. So here comes Abram and Sarai, and they go out to the land of Canaan, and I guess they got to where they were going. And this problem arises. And they have this issue. And what's happening, there's a great famine that's in the land where they are. So they say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Egypt. And when we get to Egypt, they've got food, they've got grain. We're going to be okay. So we're going to go there. So they're on their way to Egypt. And I guess Abram was starting to really think about what awaited him in Egypt. And he says, hey, Sarai. She says, yeah. He says, babe. I want you to know, and you already know this, you are hot. And she's like, I know. And he's like, you, you are so hot. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you are because we're married. But when we get to where we're going, if they figure out that you and I, that we're married, they might just go ahead and kill me. Now, this, this is a problem for Abraham or Abram. This is a problem for him. 
and it's a problem for him. And I wonder if he ever went to God and he said to God, God, I hear what you said about the vision. I hear what you said about making us a, a great nation. And don't get me wrong. I'm excited. I'm still on board. I'm excited about this. But I just want to know, did you know about this? Like, did you know about this thing that's happening right now? Like, like I, I know you're good. I get it. You're good and you're great. And I, but did you know about the famine? Did you know that we were going to have to go to Egypt? Did you know about that? I mean, I, I just want to know if you knew. Like, just be honest with me. Just tell me, did you know that this was going to be a major problem for us? See, I find that it's easy to trust in God's providence until you hit a problem. It's easy to trust that God has everything together until you reach a problem and you think, oh, I don't know about this. God, did you, did you know about this? God, did, I, I want to know if you planned around it. Did you plan around this? Did you, did you? It kind of feels like 2020, doesn't it? It's like so many people would have had plans and dreams and visions and pictures of the future. You know, God, did you know? Did you know about this? Did you know this year was going to go this way, right? And so here's Abram trying to figure out this problem. And he says, you know what? I got it. God, um, you just sit right back down on your throne. Don't you even worry yourself about this. You stay right there. I'm going to fix this problem because I'm a man and we fix stuff, right? So God, sit back. I've got it. So he goes to his wife and he says, Sarah, yeah, I've had an idea. She says, what is it? He says, well, I figured out a way to get around this issue of you being hot and us going into Egypt and, and them wanting to kill me to have you. And she says, okay, what's your idea? He goes, well, I was thinking that we could lie. How about that? How, what if we just lie? She's like, Abram, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I was thinking what we could tell them was that we were actually brother and sister. And they'll just think that you're my sister. And if they like you, they'll have to be nice to me. So I've got a, I've got a way to figure it out. And this is, this is a crazy idea. This is a terrible idea, but this is Abram's way to fix the problem. I guess he thought that God hadn't quite planned around this. So he's trying to figure it out himself. Now let's remember the whole point of this series is to learn from the past so we can lead in the future. So here is the lesson that you're not supposed to learn. When you're in a difficult spot, throw in your wife to sweeten the deal. Nope, that is not the lesson that we're trying to learn here. In fact, that's a terrible idea. This is a bad idea. And so here he is. And if you understand the rest of the story, what happens? Well, they go to Egypt and they go through with the lie. And so what happens is that they walk into town. Yep, you betcha. All the people there are like, wow, she's, this girl is hot, you know? And, and hey, what's your name? Abram, who's this? Oh, that's my sister. So they go and they tell Pharaoh. They're like, man, this girl just came to town. She's hot. Pharaoh's like, well, bring her in, you know? Pharaoh likes her so much, he decides to marry her. They let this happen. Now she's shacked up with Pharaoh and Abraham starts getting blessed by Pharaoh with like land and animals and all kinds of things, right? Starts to bless him because he thinks that Abraham is her sister. Well, you betcha, bad things start to happen. The truth comes out, Pharaoh eventually goes to Abraham and he's like, wait, you're married to her? And Abram's like, yes, I am actually married to her. Why didn't you tell me about this? There are plagues in my house. 
Like everything's gone wrong for me ever since you and your, your wife showed up that I thought was your sister. Like it's all going wrong for us. You know what? You can take your wife, take everything and just get out of town. And so here they are and they say, okay. So they start to get out and they start to leave. Here is a good thing for you to learn. Your problems don't stop God's plans. Your problems don't stop God's plans. Don't you think he kind of knew? Don't you think he understood all the problems that you were going to encounter? In fact, that's really what providence means. Providence doesn't mean that a problem comes up and God says, oh, how are we going to sort this out? I've got a way to get around your problem. No, no, no. Providence means God's planned your problems into the vision that He gave to you. It works all the details together to come out in some kind of good. I mean, think about it. Your plans in 2020, and I'm thinking that today there are so many people that are going to understand this. You had plans this year. You're a business owner, plans for your family, plans for holidays. You had plans this year. But I want to speak especially to the plans that you believe that God gave to you, because that's the ones that really matter. So you believe that God came and gave you a plan for this year or some purpose for this year. And now we come to this part of the year and things are still in lockdown and we don't really know how long it's going to go on for. I want to tell you that when God gave you that vision, He saw this. When God gave you that vision, He knew this was coming. He knew it was going to happen. And he's not just trying to plan around it. He gave you great vision planning for it because he understands exactly what's going to happen in the future. And, and right now, maybe you're frustrated, but I tell you that you are the only one because God is not frustrated by your problems. God is not frustrated because he's planned with this in mind. He knows absolutely everything that's going to happen. So, so here's how one of the ways that people respond to things when they think it's out of control the most obvious thing to do is to try to get back control. And so doubt isn't always the opposite of faith. Sometimes control is the opposite of faith. We're trying to get back control over our lives. I think that sometimes the best thing that we can do is just let God handle it because He's planned for it. So here it is in the story. And I guess... Abram didn't really understand this. Come on, how could, he, how could he know all of these things that I'm telling you about when it comes to God? Like he's got no Bible, no, no frame of reference. And so here we are a few chapters later and God comes to Abram and he says to him, Abram, you remember that plan I gave you? Abram says, yes. He goes, I want you to know your reward will be very great, very great. And Abram says, okay, I get it. My reward will be very great. But God, there is a problem here. There is a problem, and I, I don't know if you know about it. And actually, he has a, a major problem. The problem is, is that he's in his 80s, and he still doesn't have a child. And so he says, I thought you were going to make me a great nation. But, you know, uh, now I'm in my 80s. So I was 75 when I started. Now I'm in my early to mid 80s. And I'm like, we still don't have a child. Listen to how this conversation begins to go down. Chapter 15, verse 2 to 6. He says, Abram says to the Lord, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. 
And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look towards the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. That's where he got his righteousness from right here. It's like he believed God because he continued to believe him, but he, he gives him this problem and it's almost like he was going to God and saying, God, did you know about this? Did you know about this? Like, don't get me wrong. Like I'm still on board for the vision. I'm excited by it, to be honest. I mean, I'm still, the dream's in here to be a great nation. Yes, and people will be blessed through the blessings that you give to me. That's, that's great, right? But I just want to know if you knew about this. Like, did you know that we were going to have a problem like conceiving and, and having a child? Because it's still an issue for us, God, and we haven't found a way to resolve it. And then he says, you know what, God, I, I, I've got it. Do you know what? Just, just sit back down. Just sit on your throne. I'll fix it. I'll sort this out. I'll find a way to fix it. Some time goes by and his wife, Sarai, she comes to Abram and she says, Abram, you know what? Like we've been waiting a really long time and I don't know, maybe, maybe God wanted us to try to sort some of this stuff out on our own. I, maybe, maybe we're supposed to figure this thing out. Tell you what, I've got an idea. Why don't you marry my servant, right? My maidservant, her name is Hagar. Take her as a wife, have a child through her. Then we kind of get the blessing. Remember what God spoke about, right? Now let's remember this. The whole point of this series is to learn from the past so we can lead in the future, right? Well, here is the lesson that you're not supposed to learn. Um, never listen to your wife or always listen to your wife. The lesson that you're supposed to learn is whenever anybody has an opinion that opposes what God has already spoken clearly to you, that's when you're not supposed to listen. But what does Abram do? Well, he said, come on, I'll fix this problem. So he says, great idea. What happens? He marries Hagar and they have a child and that child's name is Ishmael. You gotta be careful who's got your ear when you're in a season of difficulty. You gotta be really careful who's got your ear. See, Abram, he could do something about this problem. And he did, right? But just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do something. Just because you can fix it on your own doesn't always mean that you should fix it on your own. And, and, and so sometimes there are opportunities that you can take advantage of. You Maybe you can create opportunities that maybe weren't even really there in an effort to control all the difficult things that are really going on, right? But just because you can doesn't always mean that you should. Just because you are gifted in an area, that is not the same thing as having permission to express that gift. And we see this sometimes in life where people are gifted, they've got talent, they've got ability, but they don't have an expression for it. And one of the reasons why God doesn't always open doors or sometimes why it seems that He is withholding is because He's trying to use the waiting to teach you something. 
Maybe sometimes what God is trying to do is wait for your character to catch up so that you don't spoil the gift. Or maybe it's your maturity. God is just wanting you to mature just a little bit more before He releases what He has for you. And this is incredibly important to understand this because Abram did something that he could, even though he shouldn't. And the whole reason why he did, he was sick of waiting. And I get that because sometimes I get sick of waiting too. Here's what you got to understand. God is working in your waiting. God is working in your waiting. He's not sitting back and it's not just idle. He's doing things, things that you never see, things that you couldn't possibly understand. While you're waiting, God is working But God doesn't always come to you and explain all the complexities of the universe and how He's working all of these challenges out for that right thing to be released in your life. He doesn't explain it to you. Sometimes what He asks of you is that you just keep hoping and waiting. And this is so important to understand. And let me tell you why. Because if you think that God has forgotten, if you think that God isn't doing anything, then you might move ahead of God's timing for your life. And that, that is a big mistake to make. And I I, I get the question though. Like the question is, well, how do we know when to act then? How, how do I know when I should act on a problem? How do I know when I should act on an opportunity? And when should I wait and when should I move? Like, how do we know the difference? Let me tell you this. This is going to be so helpful. When there is a biblical mandate where God has given clear direction and instruction, at those moments, you can go. You can move. You can move in the direction He's already given you permission for. Let me give you a good example of this. There are a whole bunch of things, you know, you just don't need to pray about in life. Like, you never have to pray, God, should I make disciples? You don't have to pray that. You don't have to ever ask God if you should make disciples. It's a biblical mandate given in the Great Commission. I mean, God said, go out and make disciples. So you don't have to pray about that. Lord, should, should, should I share my faith? Should I lead people to you, Jesus? have to pray about that. Should I, should I share my faith with my co-workers? You don't have to pray about that. You don't need to pray because there's a biblical mandate. God wants you to lead people to Him. There's something that God said in the Great Commission. We already know it's, it's right here. We don't need to pray about that. God, should I, should I go to church? You know, you listen, you don't need to pray about that, man. God gave His only Son, Jesus, he gave, he gave Jesus up for His bride, which is the church, right? God loves the church. Jesus loves the church. He, he loves the church so much that He refers to it as His bride, so as to communicate the intimate relationship He has with His church, right? You don't need to pray. And Okay, so let's be honest, right? Not every church is the same, but you should find a good one. And when you find a good one, you should go to it, right? So, so if you've got questions about church, whoever's watching and wherever you are, if you find a good church, should you go? Absolutely, you should go to church, right? Here's, here's other things you don't need to pray about. God, should I be generous? Come on. All right, no more crazy questions to God. 
No more crazy prayers, right? Should you be generous? Absolutely. Now you've got to be a steward, so you've got to manage your resources. But come on, there's a biblical mandate to be generous. You'll read through the Scriptures, and, and if you read through the Scriptures, you'll see the people that were touched by God all through the New Testament, right? They were generous with what they had, all right? So we don't need to give them crazy, crazy questions, right? When do we know we can go? When there's a biblical mandate. Let me give you one more. God, should I forgive someone? Oh, really? Yes, of course you should forgive someone. I mean, Jesus was clear about this so many times. You don't have to pray about whether you should forgive someone. Absolutely, you are supposed to forgive someone, all right? And, and I didn't say it would be easy. I didn't say that it would be easy to do. I mean, just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you need to be their bestie, doesn't mean that you need to make room for them in your life. But if you don't forgive them, it will destroy your life. So should you forgive someone? Come on, there's a biblical mandate. These are things that you don't need to pray about. These are things we already know. You just go ahead and do them. But there are times when we need to wait. And when we need to wait, I want to tell you something. It's very important that you understand this. When you are waiting, it's not supposed to be punishment. And it's not because God is disappointed in you. It's not because you've made a mistake. You know what it is? When God's got something good for you and it's being withheld, right? You, you could go everywhere and wonder why or how it's not happening, right? There's a good reason. Here it is. It's just timing. That's what it is. It's just timing. Maybe the reason you're waiting is it's just not the right time yet. And it's not the right time, then you're just going to wait. So what do you do while you're waiting? Well, while you're waiting, worship. Confess. Believe. Trust. But know this above everything else, that God is still working while you're waiting. He's working even if you don't understand it. He's working. But I feel sorry for Abram who, who doesn't understand this. He's still trying to figure it out. So you go to verse or chapter 17 in Genesis and God comes to him and he says, you're going to have a child. And by the way, at this point, he changes his name to Abraham. And so he says to Abraham, hey, you're going to have this child. You're still going to be a great nation. And at this point, I feel like, you know, Abraham, he's just had enough. And he says, you know what? I get it. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm still supposed to have a child and we're still supposed to be a great nation. But hey, tell you what, God, why don't you just take Ishmael? Just take Ishmael. Come on, he's a good kid. You know, it's not exactly what we spoke about, but he's all right. You know, what is he doing? He's trying to talk God out of the promise that God has for him. And God says, no, I'm not going to do that. I refuse to be talked out of it. God comes to him again in chapter 18, except this time he manifests physically. He become, and he's walking towards Abram or Abraham. And so he's walking towards Abraham. And at this time, Abraham and Sarah, they're, they're living in tents. And, and it says Abraham rushes out to meet him and he sees who he is. And so he bows down low and he, he really knows that it's God in front of him. And he says, come on, come back to my house and I'm going to cook you, I'll cook you a meal. Imagine cooking a meal for God. Boy, you want to, Make sure you've had some good cooking lessons. And so he comes back and he's preparing this meal. And Sarah, she's in the tent. She's listening to this conversation that's happening between God and Abraham. And Abraham says to him, I just want you to know that you are still going to have this child. I feel like it's, been, it's really weighing now on Abraham because the promises, he's just been waiting for so long, you know. 
And Sarah, she overhears this, and she laughs to herself. She's like, are you kidding me? She laughs in the tent, and this is what she says. She says, really? At this age, should I have pleasure now? Let me translate for you, right? They haven't invented Viagra. I don't know if Abraham is up for it. I don't know if I'm up for it. Like, you kidding me? Like, look how old we are. We are, we are old people. And you're saying that right now we're going to have children. Anyway, she moves out from the tent. And now there, there's God, you know. And he says, ah, Sarah, you, you laughed at what I said. And she says, oh, no, I didn't laugh. And he goes, <laughs> no, you did. You did laugh. I, I heard you laugh. You know why she laughed? She laughed because the longer that things went on, the more difficult it was to believe. But just because you've been waiting for a long time, it doesn't increase the degree of difficulty for God to answer the greatest challenges that you have in your life. You know what it is? It's timing. And he says, hey, you know what? Within 12 months, you're going to have a child. And you betcha, here it is 12 months later. He, she was 98 at the time. And here she is 12 months later. She is 99 years old. And finally, she has a little baby. She has baby Isaac. And it's like the promise has come. The child is here. Thank God he's arrived. I mean, at this time, Abraham is 100 years old. He has been waiting since he was 75. That's 20 five years for this part of this promise to happen. And he's like so excited. And now he's got this little baby Isaac. And I don't know how you would feel about it, but he gets the baby and he says, you know what? This child Isaac, this, this, is, the, this is the heir to the promise. Everything that God said was going to happen through this child. So we need to protect the promise. We need to protect this child. Let's protect it. This is like the new bubble boy. Like, let's wrap him in cotton wool. Let's keep this child safe, right? Let's, let's check the tent for snakes because we hate snakes. We're in a desert area, right? Check for snakes and check for spiders. We don't, we don't live in Australia, so we're probably going to be okay. But still, check for spiders. Check his sleeping bag, you know? Like, we got to protect this child because this child is the heir to the promise, right? So like, 15 years go by and Isaac's like 14 or 15 years old. God comes to Abram and he, he says something that's so shocking. I thought it would just be easier if I was to read it to you. In chapter 22 and verse one, it says, after all of these things and some time has passed, after all these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, that's important, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. What? Are you kidding me? Sacrifice Isaac? We waited 25 years to get him. And if this child dies, then it's over. You want us to, you want us to sacrifice Isaac? If we obey you, doesn't your command destroy the promise? Surely if we do what you say, it's going to destroy everything that we were hoping for. Kill Isaac, what are you talking about? This is crazy. And it, you know what? I've read this story many times and it kind of does seem crazy. 
And I wanted to know, like, why did God say to Abraham that he should sacrifice Isaac? It doesn't make sense. And it kind of doesn't make sense when you just zoom right in on this one little part of the story. So sometimes what you need to do is you need to step back from the story. You need to get the big picture. We've looked at nearly all of Abraham's life, like the big picture, yeah, the big picture. You know, the really big picture. The big picture that steps out from the story of Abraham's life and looks at the very beginning of time and looks at the end of time and looks at the scope of Scripture and look at what God is doing from beginning to end. What is really happening here? If you look at the beginning of things, you can go back to the start of the book of Genesis and read about the creation of earth. And what did God do? He made Adam and Eve and He put them in the garden. And He said, you can do whatever you want, but the one thing that you cannot do is you cannot eat the, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the day of, that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And if you know the story, it's not about the fruit. It's not about the fruit. He's saying, if you decide to disobey me, if you decide that you don't want to do life the way that I've asked you to do it, if you want to walk away from life with me, and in me is life, but if you walk away just know that the alternative is death. And of course, if you know the story, sin became a problem. It became a problem for all humanity. Abraham and Isaac, they were both sinners. They both made mistakes. In fact, you know, the truth is, is that God, as the judge of all humanity, He would have had the right to demand the death of any sinner at any point at any time and he doesn't do that but he would have had the right to do it and so why did he do this why why wait through all these generations and now suddenly he he chooses Isaac it doesn't quite make sense but there's a little clue in here as to why he did it and it's in verse 2 if you read it he says go take your son your only son Isaac if you're like me you're like oh wait a minute he had two sons God says, no, no, no. I, I don't count Ishmael because that was not the plan. That's not what I wanted you to do. We always said that it would be you and Sarah. I count Isaac as your firstborn son. And it's important that we understand that Isaac is the firstborn son. We need to see something that God is doing with the firstborn children. Why is that important? And it's important because God is setting up a bigger story than we could possibly imagine that, that is outside of just Abraham's life. Abraham could not have fully realized everything that would happen in the future. He, he probably didn't realize that 400 years later from this moment, his very own people would be slaves in Egypt and Pharaoh would be holding them against their wills. And if you know the story, Moses comes in to rescue the people and these plagues are sent and there is a 10th plague and the 10th plague is important for this moment because the 10th plague says this, he says, I will send the angel of death and the angel of death will judge everyone in Egypt and the firstborn of every family will die. Why did you choose the firstborn? What is it about it? The thing you need to understand about the firstborn is that he selected, he was setting up a system. He selected the firstborn as a representation for all the families. And if you know the story, 
the angel of death comes in and not just to judge the Egyptians, but to judge everyone, to judge all of Egypt. And as the angel of death comes, God says to the Hebrew people, look, there's only one thing that will stand between you and the angel of death. And that's if you take a lamb and you take some of the blood of the lamb and you paint it on the doorposts around your house. And if you paint the doorposts, the angel of death will come. He'll see the blood of the lamb and he will pass over your house. This is where the story of the Passover really came from. And when he would see the blood of the lamb, he would move. And if you know the rest of the story, the Hebrew people were spared because they saw the blood of the lamb. And the angel of death came through and, and took the, the, the life of the firstborn children all throughout Egypt. And you look at this and you think, man, that's so harsh. It's incredibly harsh. How could you do that? Why would you do that, God? Why would you hold a family or a firstborn child responsible for the sins of their family? You don't get it yet. He's still setting up a greater story. Even then, 400 years later, after Abraham and Isaac were on the mountain, he was still setting up a great story because 1,500 years after that, someone would be born. His name was Jesus. When John the Baptist saw him, he said, here comes the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. That's who Jesus was. He was that Lamb. And if you understand anything about this, it says that Jesus was the firstborn of all creation. And so as the firstborn of all creation, He didn't just represent His earthly family. Jesus as the firstborn of all creation could represent all of humanity. And if you look back, the system seems to not work for humanity until you get to the person named Jesus, because now Jesus is able to represent every life on the planet, not just the ones that have come, but the ones that will come. Even today, He is able to represent all of humanity. And when Jesus was slain and when He was nailed to the cross and His blood began to drip, His blood, He became that Passover lamb. He became the blood by which everyone could be saved. And it looked harsh in the beginning, but you don't understand. It was a system designed to teach people one thing, that if you trust in God, if you believe in Him, and you put your faith in Jesus, then you also will be saved. And so here is Jesus. This is the Gospel. The greatest message you could ever hear is to know that you are not perfect, but you don't need to be. Because God has set up a system where you can be forgiven if you just put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And so if you know the story at Calvary, Jesus was lifted up on the cross. This next part's about to blow your mind. The place where Jesus was lifted up was the very same place where 2,000 years earlier, there would be Abraham and Isaac. The same place. Two fathers walked their sons up that mountain 2,000 years apart. And we look back at the story of Abraham and Isaac. And I, I want to read you the rest of the story. Genesis chapter 2. two Verses 9 to 14, it says, When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there. He laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do, or do anything to him. 
For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in, uh, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and offered, Abraham uh, went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Abraham calls the place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord provides because God always provides. Whenever He gives you vision, He's provided for that problem. Whenever He calls you to a task, He's provided for it. Everything that you think is out of control, He's provided for it. He continues to provide in every season for every person that He's ever called to do anything. He always provides so you can just relax. Abraham could never have understood what God was setting up. He was setting up a story that was bigger than his own life and it's the same today. We think all our lives are completely around us and about us and it's all about our preferences. There is a bigger story that's happening here. God is writing His story and our lives are a cross section of a greater story that's unfolding across the earth. It's exactly the same way today. And God will continue to provide whatever you need to do whatever He's called you to do because it's His story. Are you thinking for one minute that He's been writing this story across time and history and for the first time ever that He's forgotten you or for the first time ever that He hasn't provided for your next challenge. He hasn't provided for the next issue you face. If He did, it would be the first time He's ever done it in ever. And I promise you that'll never be the case. Your problems don't stop God's plans and His commands will never destroy His promises. So if you want to live like Abraham, then you just need to trust God when you don't know what He's doing. And you need to trust God while you're waiting because I promise you, He's working while you're waiting. I want to pray for anyone that's watching this today and you know they they're waiting maybe that's you you're waiting you're waiting for a promise that God has made to you he's working he's working he's working while you're waiting but if you want to be encouraged or you need to be encouraged today let me pray for you right now I would encourage you to worship while you wait but let me pray father for every single person who right now they've been waiting they've heard your words they know what you've said, but they're still waiting. Lord, I pray that they don't move ahead of your timing. Lord, you have never forgotten anyone and you will not forget them. You have provided for everyone and you will provide for them. I pray, God, that your peace that surpasses all understanding would guard their hearts and their minds so they don't try to control everything and move ahead of the perfect timing you have for their lives. Lord, let your grace and your peace, let it work in them and let it work through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.